You're listening to the Girls on the Grid podcast with Tanea and Priya. Welcome back to the Girls on the Grid podcast. My name is Tanea and this week, again, no Priya. Priya Richards, you're letting me down as my co-host. Kidding, she's actually just super busy and is going through a rather busy phase in her work and that's completely cool with us. We just have to find some more poor souls to drag in to come and dribble some words alongside me and this week we're actually still in Perth so you'll be listening to this episode on Monday. We're chatting right now after a jam-packed race weekend, three supercars races with a heck of a lot to talk about and I have the one and only Charlie Bullis alongside me to unpack a weekend in a light-hearted way. And then we're going to jump into a chat with Courtney Prince, who is currently driving in Aussie Racing Cars and also Michelin Sprint Challenge. So Priya was alongside me for that chat, but right now, here is Charlie Bullis, and we're going to unpack the weekend in Perth. Charlie Bullis, Sunday night here in Perth. What an insane weekend of racing. I think I've got one word that would sum up our supercars weekend, and that is spicy. There was so much spice. It's like the strongest vindaloo you could ever experience, I reckon. It was just round four of the Repco Supercars Championship did not disappoint. It went from mild spice to full spice, and yet we've still got Shane Van Gisbergen leading the championship. It's just, oh my gosh. So I think... I think we've just got to start with, you know, last night, race night, Saturday night, under lights, you know, being back in Perth after two, nearly three years away. Just, yeah, being here, seeing the fans just all over the hill. I just, so many kids and families. And I bumped into one family. I have to tell this story. Bumped into one family. We were doing our surprise and delight that we always do at Supercars and handing out, you know, grid, world, grid walk passes. And we gave these two passes to this mum and her daughter. And, you know, they were super excited and they were rubbing it in the, the dad's face because we only gave them two and there was four of them. So then we were like, oh, crap, we'll have to go. And we'll, we'll scrounge around and get two more so this family can go on the grid. Uh, ahead of the night race and we find out that it's the husband has been saying to the the mum and the kids for years like please come to supercars with me like please 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 she's like nah not interested not my thing hate it hate it hate it hate it then over covid lockdowns they really got into it and like the locals live here not far from sort of the racetrack here and then now they're totally hooked and then we happen to give them gridwalk passes and they get this amazing experience at the racetrack this weekend and yeah I think that just lights me up but then yeah the on-track stuff that's gone on is just kind of mind-blowing I think we're there's just the contenders it's kind of I'm kind of like shaking in anticipation for what's going down we've now got Will Davison's won a race Scott Pye's bashed his car up We've got an MSR Team 18 rivalry brewing. We've got Cam Waters losing his nut over a penalty. It's all, it's all happening. I think, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what more to say. I've got to find the words, but it's just an epic. And I'm speaking with my hands a lot. <laughs> and getting mocked here at the back of the media centre. <laughs> but honestly, just, I don't know if it was... I feel like it's got a lot to do with how f- long we've been away from Perth. The last time was in 2019, but the vibe last night especially was electric. Me and 
another videographer who works with us went for a big walk with a mic last night around just before, just as sun was setting. Went around and chatted to all these fans up on the hill and I don't know, it was just, it was something else. It was almost Bathurst-esque in the sense of how it felt and how excited uh, people were and I was just going up to people saying how good is it that supercars are back how good is it that we're here in Perth and everyone's just like because of, you've got been gone for so long we're so excited someone said to me someone goes I just can't wait for it to be next year already it's a Saturday evening and the poor guy is already hoping and pleading and praying for next year for us to come back next year and I it's probably something to do with how separated we are like Perth has been separated from us. Like I, I joked on last week's pod that they're almost a different continent, you know, like eight continents in the world now because Perth was so locked down and so disjointed from the East Coast, which went through their own kind of COVID dramas. But this year of racing, so much to unpack. This weekend, so much to unpack. But that crash for Scott Pye, that, that, was, that was very big and that put a big jolt to race one on Sunday. And yeah, what was your take of, of that huge crash? And we hope that they get the car fixed and there's not too much chassis damage that kind of, you know, turns a big accident into a big job for the team. But yeah, what was your thoughts on that when that unpa- when that um, went down today? Well, it, it was really quite shocking when it all happened and I'm so glad that Scott's okay. You could see as soon as they cut to that on board, you could see that he'd gone through a big impact and I'm really glad that, you know, he climbed out and he was fine. Um, obviously, through looking at his socials, he's uh, pretty upset, brooding over it, you know, as as you would. These are the highs and lows of motorsport. In terms of the team, that's who I really feel for because they're the guys and girls that have to knuckle down and get that car fixed for Winton. We've got a matter of weeks before we go there. However, in regards to the move uh, between Scott Pye and Jack LeBrock, uh, I think you could be on both sides of the fence as to who was right and who was wrong. Um, I think the fact that they were holding themselves sort of out wide and you know, Pi was already on a bit of a slide and then the worst that could possibly happen did. However, I'm going to put my, obviously my journalist hat on here and I find it really quite interesting that we had Todd Hazelwood and Frosty come together in Sydney in a very, uh, let's just say, incredible way. It was after the flag coming down uh, into the, one of the fastest corners in Australian motorsport, Turn 1 at Sydney Motorsport Park. And lucky enough... Both of them were okay, um, but that certainly went on for a few weeks afterwards. Frosty was not happy. Todd did go over and try and apologise. It was just he skidded on the wet and he's gone, you know, and collected Winterbottom into the kitty litter. Um, yeah, Frosty was definitely not happy about that, and it was one of those things that uh, we were told maybe to stay away from. But uh, and now we've got Jack LeBrock and Scott Pyre, so I feel like there's a Team 18 MSR let's just use the word rivalry, um, that we might be talking a little bit more about this year. And from Frosty's perspective, like the amount of work, obviously it's, it was very hard for it to say it's Todd's fault, but at the end of the day, Todd did hit Frosty. And the amount of work that, that, that then was unnecessary for that team to go through, very similar to today's, but from today's perspective, they're both race car drivers. Everyone's just like on the commentary, they're like, oh, Jack just should have backed off or Scott just should have you know, not ran him off so far. They're race car drivers. Telling a race car driver to back off is telling a bull to run away from a red flag. 
like I see a red flag and the bull charges. It's like telling a race car driver to just back off. Just don't press the accelerator. Yeah, right. In your dreams. That is never going to happen. And that was a result of what happened today. You had one driver trying to stop a move from happening and one driver trying to make a move, which is in essence motorsport. So I, I look at it as a racing incident. You can't really put blame because both of the drivers could have done something different. But at the end of the day, one car is smashed, one car isn't smashed. No penalties were handed down, which kind of shows that it was just a racing incident. But it was big. It put a big delay to the racing uh, here at Perth today on Sunday. So, yeah. But then moments later, Cam Waters, what? That, that one, and I don't want to take anything away from Will Davison's win because he made the pass. He had made the pass. But it was just the fact that there was so much runoff. The pass was done. You know, he was up the further enough. It was gutsy. We're in the media center. We go, whoa, Davo, hang on to your hats, fellas. Like, that was big. And, yeah, great pass. I don't know, part, point of the track that happened. What happens if that's a wall, in the, like, at a different circumstance? I don't know. What was your thoughts on, on that move and Davo's eventual win after Cam took the chequered flag first well yeah I guess I have to talk obviously all of this from my personal opinion it's funny because I was actually in the paddock club at the time uh, doing a uh, Q&A with um, the wonderful Matt Payne Super 2 and Cameron Crick as well uh, so I actually didn't see the whole thing go down you know I was doing part of my other job so then I sort of uh, look at my phone and I see the tweet to say that Cam's got a, a penalty and I was like, okay, well, I did, you know, watch the replay and kind of unpack it a little bit myself. Uh, and I think, for me, it's it's tricky because you've got Cam, obviously, they've both been, and Will, they've both been racing a very, very long time. And, you know, we've got all the drivers saying that, you know, did the penalty match the crime? Oh, it's so, it's so tricky. But I have to look at it from the fact that, you know, Cam was saying on uh, his own socials afterwards he felt like he was robbed. Uh, and we've also got Will Davison. You know, it's such an emotional moment seeing him step out of that car and get that win. And re-running up just, oh, my God, does that just not melt your heart? Exactly. It's so nice. I actually, I had to share that photo. I had to, I had to. But it's also like I have sat in this press conference week after week, you know, um, weekend after weekend with these guys and we all ask that question and he is more within his, so within his rights to turn around and say I'm sick of hearing people or answering the question when am I going to get this win? I totally get it. But I'm sorry, Will, probably, you know, in a couple of weeks' time I'll be like, when's the next win, Will? Or, you know, but it's... Yeah, it's a real, real tricky one for me. And I always feel really weird about, you know, talking about racing incidents because it's once you've been in a hot lap in one of these cars, you understand that it is milliseconds worth of a decision. You know, how was the spread of the field this weekend? I think in the first race, it was like three tenths of a second between the first 19 or something cars like insane. And I had a hot lap around this track with uh, Gary Reid in the C10, Repco C10. And that was doing probably about quarter, quarter the speed of what a real supercar does. And yeah, like, yep, that's all I got. Yep. Yeah, and that's. I think you really get an appreciation for the fact that these are millisecond decisions these drivers are making, and it's incredible that they can even make them and that their reactions are that fast. So. While it is heartbreaking for Cam Waters, who is really trying to stay within this championship hunt and still be a contender. And Will Davison, he's right up there. You know, he is third in the championship, or sorry, 
where'd we third now? I have to look at the points again. But it's getting that duck off his back now. I think we're going to see a brand new Will Davison, and I'm really excited about that. And I hope that they really can take it to SVG. I genuinely do. And speaking of the championship, are we all going home in like in by round six? Are we just not coming back because SVG has wrapped it up? What you know, like he dominates. He is dominating, and he is a step above the rest. And the but the rest are so good. He is just on another level. It takes no credit away from everyone else, but the team, him, they're just completely on fire. Do we go home after round six? Like, do we wrap it up and call it a day, or like? Is there someone, is there something that, that keeps this thing alive through to the final round? I know, I keep making that joke. I was standing watching the podium and I was joking to Mitch at PR for Triple Eight and I'm saying to him, mate, have I got a job past the bend? Because we could, yeah, let's just all go home. Like, this guy's got it. He's totally got it. Uh, look, but it's motorsport. You can never write anything off. But it's also, it, it is a credit to Shane. It, it truly is that he is that consistent uh, but what's funny is that he doesn't actually think he's consistent, which actually cracks me up. You know, P five for him is like a shitty weekend. You know, <laughs> he totally is. You're like, okay, mate, yeah, cool. Um, but no, he does. He does deserve because I think anyone that you speak to that's known Shane for a long time, has ever been in a hot lap with Shane, you know, they say that he's just got this absolute gift. He can make a car do things that other people wouldn't be able to do and I think it is great to see him you know really come to the fore and I'm really glad that the McLaughlin comparisons have gone away now because he's reigning champion and he's backing it up again and I'm really really happy for him and that team because AAA have gone through such a revolution over the past sort of six months and it's obviously it's continuing to happen and I remember the start of the year we were all talking about okay so it's now Jamie's show it's now Jesse's show Roland's step back are we going to see cracks appearing here and they really haven't so that's a credit to that team and the strength of that team and it really is I guess that's that's that is motorsport and it's sport in general isn't it you've got the benchmark and everyone else has to step it up to take it to that benchmark so I just really hope that, yeah, Shelby Power, Tickford can really, really do it. But I also have to say I'm so excited that James Courtney was on the podium. Oh, my gosh. I'm, uh, I'm not a closet JC fan. He knows I'm a massive fan of his. Um, when he retires, I will cry, and I've told him that. Um, he, look, he did get a podium in Sydney late last year. It was his breakthrough podium for Tickford. We were all extremely happy for him. However, it was the earliest Sunday race that he um, got the podium, so he didn't get to spray the champagne. In Perth, he got to spray the champagne and wow, was it an amazing moment to witness. And yeah, the Tickford guys screamed louder than the Triple Eight guys with Shane on the top step. So yeah, it was wonderful to see him up there. And I also think it's hilarious that um, tomorrow, instead of the ride day, he's going to open um, one of a, a new caravan dealership, uh, part of his sponsorship deal. So I just find that hilarious. Podium and then the next day you're getting the older big scissors out and cutting the ribbon to open a caravan store. <laughs> It's all part and parcel of the job, isn't it? They have all these awesome experiences where they race their car all weekend and under lights and then next minute he is opening a caravan dealership. But, Charlie, what a weekend. And I do have one request from our sister, brother podcast, Parked Up. 
The request is, you may have noticed the breaking news that rocked the entire motorsport industry. It rocked it. People were absolutely shocked and gutted. There was tears. There was fists flying. People were furious and fuming about this breaking news that come out last week. Tony D'Alberto has resigned from Parked Up Podcast hosting duties. What a absolute tear-up that was. And now Grant Rowley is stuck with the, the tricky, almost, almost impossible decision to find a replacement Parked Up host. Now, you may be listening to this thinking, it's just a podcast. It's not just a podcast. It's a revolution. Parked Up needs a new host, Charlie Bullis. Are you willing to step up to that or would you rather just come and co-host Girls on the Grid with me? Oh my god, okay, put me on the spot guys, that's really, really good. Uh, look, um, I would say it's a, a tall order to fill TD's shoes. TD's not that tall. <laughs> when he posts pictures of his son, he, he captions them, me or Oscar, because you just can't tell sometimes, He's, his son's like six. Oh, I'm sorry, Tony, I'm so sorry, I know I always make short jokes. <laughs> I had him in Paddock Club um, late last year uh, at Bathurst and, yeah, I, I made short jokes. Maybe I shouldn't do that. I'm so sorry. I, was, I couldn't help myself. If we're short, it's okay. I'm five foot three. I'm allowed to make short jokes. I feel the pain. Well, look, I guess to answer your question, I think it's always something I would consider. Look, I, I work for, you know, I work for supercars. Would people actually want to hear what I've got to say or would they think that I, I'm biased? Well, I don't, I don't I'll let you know after how many people tune into this episode. <laughs> maybe this is the trial run. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, um, maybe, yeah, maybe leave me a comment. Let me know whether you'd actually want to hear me on uh, the Parked Up podcast or Girls on the Grid. Either one, I would be extremely honoured. I genuinely would. You realise that being the Parked Up co-host means you have to deal with Grant Rowley every week. Are you prepared for that? Oh, yeah. Maybe I should think that through. Okay. Uh, look, I, I, I love you, GR, uh, but maybe we just don't have to do it in person. <laughs> there it is. But seriously, guys, Parked Up is on the hunt for a new host, and I think I'll just keep Charlie Bullis here with me as an alternate to Priya and her busy schedule. Parked Up, who do you want to hear? Who do you want to hear fill the shoes of Tony D'Alberto? Because they're going to keep going. They're going strong. Uh, 100 and something, 114, 115 episodes in. We're on episode... 13 so uh, we do have a ways to go to catch their streak but Charlie Bullis thanks for joining me on today's intro to the podcast right now we're going to jump into a chat with Courtney Prince that Priya and I did last week so buckle your ears in for that one Great to welcome Courtney Prince to Girls on the Grid today. Courtney, thanks so much for coming on. You've got a fair bit going on at the moment between your work as a personal trainer and also racing in two different categories this year. So what's been happening in your world lately? Thank you for having me. Um, we have got a bit of a busy season coming up with both Aussie Cars and Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge, which is going to start soon at the end of May. So I've been racing Aussie cars for a few rounds um, to start off the season. So we have about five rounds until Porsche start. So here you are at 20 years old. You're racing in the Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge and Aussie racing cars. So going all the way back to getting to this point, 
what's your story and how did your interest in motorsport come about? I started at a really young age. I live on a few acres, so just on dirt bikes. I started with anything that would go fast kind of entertained me. Um, I wanted to race dirt bikes and dad was not too keen on the idea. So he's like, if you want to race anything, go karts. But I still took a few years to convince him. <laughs> he wasn't too keen getting me back into motorsport getting into motorsport since he was in motorsport. So when I was seven, I convinced him to get a go-kart, but I never got to race until I was eight. So I started go-karts when I was eight, and I did that until I was about 15, a little bit at 16, but then that's when I transitioned into former Ford with Sonic. So I did three national seasons with Sonic in former Ford. Um, I ended in 2019. And 2020, we didn't have any racing, but uh, that's when we decided to sign up for Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge. But uh, I think we probably went out in the car twice that year, being in Melbourne in lockdown. So then in 2021, we started our first season in Porsche and we only got two rounds. Um, So it was good to just get racing again, but it was a bit disappointing not having a full season in anything. But uh, my first round, I got third overall, so I was stoked to actually get a podium on my first round. And we're sitting fourth in the championship, so I was really hoping it would actually go ahead, but it didn't. So I'm super excited for this season to kick off and get all the rounds and get going. And Sprint Challenge for sure is a pretty stacked field. I think you're on the podium with Ryan Sewell and Callum Hedge, who are both now in Carrera Cup. So it's not like you were going up against, uh, you know, just any like sort of nobodies in the field. You were really, for you to be on the podium, because I was there and I was uh, working with a couple of the guys and I was like, this girl is good. (laughs) Thank you. No, yeah, it's definitely a good field and um, a great category and the pyramid and stuff. But yeah, a lot of guys that I raced last year now in Carrera Cup, um, I wish I was there, but hopefully, fingers crossed, next year I can get something together. Going back to your Formula Ford days, tell us a little bit about your Formula Ford career with Sonic. What were your highlights there? Yeah, in Formula Ford, I got chucked into the deep end a bit. I never did any state series or that, so I went straight to national. Um, to be honest, it was a big step up from go-karts. Never, I didn't actually have my learners at that point, so I didn't even know how to change gears. So um, it took me a little bit to get into that, but it was good. Uh, we got lots of seconds and third places. Again, national level, it's quite hard. So, but yeah, I think the last season we did in 2019, we were about fifth or sixth in the championship which wasn't too bad for the class. But um, yeah, it's very hard class and that car is hard to drive, but I'm really glad I did it because it's taught me so much stepping into the Porsche and how to really maximize that car. So now in Porsche, where do you sort of see your career aspirations going? Is it is it the Porsche pyramid to end up in Europe or overseas or is it supercars? Where do you sort of see it going at, at this stage that you're in now? I would love to go overseas for Porsche be a factory driver and compete in Super Cup. That'd be my ultimate goal. Um, But also if something did come up in supercars, the right team, I'd be super keen to do that as well. So really for me, it's just about um, getting results 
and trying to get something together. But yeah, definitely staying in Porsche would be awesome, but also supercars. But I've never driven a supercar before, so that would be awesome to jump in one and see. Um, but yeah, it'd be awesome to go to Europe, as I think everyone does at some stage want to go over there and see how it all works out. But it is really hard over there as well. So why Aussie cars? What has what drew you to the Aussie racing cars category? Because it's a, a consistent support category for a lot of the supercars and the sort of main series is here in Australia. So it's obviously got some kind of draw card for a lot of attention from viewers and things. But what is it from a racing perspective that really was like, yeah, that's what I want to do whilst waiting for Porsche to sort of kick off? Yeah, so um, Aussie cars are quite a hectic category, as I'm sure you've seen if you've watched them. So the hard racing and how competitive it is really stood out to us. Jump into something that will really test me and make me have to drive something that is hard. And those cars, it's like a go-kart on steroids, so you have to chuck it around a bit. But definitely how competitive it is and the tracks they get to go to. So normally this year it's not on, um, but like Gold Coast and stuff, we normally get to go to a few street circuits. So just going to tracks and also Bathurst, um, it'd be awesome just to go there in that car, learn those tracks before I step into a Porsche and go to those tracks. Obviously it's a lot more quicker in a Porsche than a little Aussie car. So just doing that and also awesome exposure for sponsors as they get a lot of TV coverage being with the supercars. Obviously the Porsche and the Aussie racing cars, it's kind of a big step coming out of the Aussie racing car into the Porsche. What are the main differences between the cars? Definitely the power and the weight and the size. So the Aussie car is um, quite a lot slower, but for the little car, it is it performs so well and doesn't feel slow when you're in it. But yeah, it is quite a lot different, um, but it's still the same aspect of you have to drive both cars really hard. So jumping out from the Aussie car, it's sequential. So um, the Porsche's paddle shift, so that's a bit different. So it's a little bit easier when you jump into the Porsche with the paddle shift. Um, but yeah, no, they're both quite different, but they do sort of cross over um, in some aspects. Growing up, uh, you did some karting alongside my brother. And I remember, like me, you also rode horses as well. When was it that you kind of realized, okay, like I want to take racing to the next level. That's what I want to do. Yeah, I did horse riding for a few years um bit of I didn't do it very like professionally but just mucked around I guess uh I think I stopped horse riding when I was about 15 16 somewhere about there and that's when I definitely decided that I wanted to put all my focus into my racing that's what I want to make a career out of and focus on and also with horses they can be a bit um you just don't know what's going to happen on them. So if I fell off and broke an arm, then I couldn't race. It wasn't ideal. So I had to choose and I decided to focus on my racing as the horse riding was just a bit of fun. Going back to the karting stuff, and I remember it was probably, well, from what I saw when I was hanging around, it was really only you and maybe a few other girls. Did you, did you ever feel a bit excluded in that sense? 
Um, right from the start, I think there's been maybe one or two girls at the most in any category in carts or cars that I've raced. So I feel, and in Formula Ford, I was the only girl for the whole time. So I feel that I just don't know any different or it's always racing the guys and sometimes there's a few girls, which is awesome to see. And it's definitely something that needs to be a bit more, I guess, regular in all the categories in motorsport. Um, I always look at it that we're all equal. We've got the same equipment, the same machine, like it's a car or it's a go-kart, whatever it is. It's not like AFL or that where it's physically reversing each other in that sense. So I just don't see it as anything different. And I guess always growing up with it, I just, yeah, I just think we're all the same. <laughs> I find that 99% of the, the women drivers that we speak to all have that same kind of mentality. So that's actually really cool. Yeah, yeah, I feel like we all do as well, especially ones who have raced right from a young age. Yeah, for sure. So growing up, did you ever have like any inspirations that you, any people that you sort of drew inspiration from? Um, I've always looked up to, I know it's really cliche, but Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Uh, right from a young age, um, I've always watched the F1 and sort of grew up watching the supercars as well. So definitely Lewis Hamilton would be inspiration and how he performs and like the amount he's won and how he applies himself 110% to his racing. As a race car driver, what else do you do to help with your performance when you're not in the car? I know you're a personal trainer. Um, so whether that's your fitness staff or simulators, what do you do to keep in tune? Most of the time, it's a lot of training. So in lockdown, I built a gym um, at home in the shed. So I do a lot of training. So anywhere from endurance stuff on the beach with my trainer, I train with Heath Meldrum, who also trains Nick Percat and a few other drivers in supercars. So I do a lot of that and also a lot of weight training in the gym, um, circuit training. Also, I do have a sim. I do use it a bit. I'm not no sim racer or that, but I do go on there and practice. It's a good tool, especially for tracks you've never been at or if there's something that you need to practice or just going on there and doing some random races to get back into it. I think it's also a good tool but a lot of it and especially being a female is physically making sure you're strong enough and you're fit enough and in Porsche we also have the 45 minute endurance races which is it gets quite warm in the car for that long of time and no like obviously can't put your window down so definitely training for that and making sure you can handle the heat is key. So give us a little bit of an insight into what a normal not at the racetrack day looks like for Courtney Prince? A normal day would look like getting up quite early, going to work for my family business in the morning. So my parents own an excavation and landscaping company. So I normally go there and work uh, most of the day until just after lunchtime, um, doing stuff, whatever needs to be done. So either we're building car parks or we're doing gardens or it really depends on the day. And then at 
about like three o'clock, so later in the afternoon, I start my shift at gym a few times a week. So I work from about three to seven doing personal training clients and um, I have a group session, stuff like that I do. And then I normally get home about 7.30, train, eat dinner, have a shower and, and just go to sleep basically and then wake up and do it all again. Yeah, sounds like it's pretty full on. Uh, I guess you kind of have to do what you have to do to, especially with the fitness. I mean, being a PT, kind of two birds, one stone in, in the fact that you have to be super fit for your job. And Heath, who you train with, also trains a couple of our friends at Race Fuels. So, and Thomas Randall as well. So he definitely knows what he's doing. And um, and yeah, it's great to be able to learn from, learn and train with someone of such a high caliber. Do you, have you found that you found a big improvement in your fitness and that has translated to being to driving in the car? Yeah, definitely. I've trained with Heath um, just before I started Porsche, so the last two years, and I've definitely found a difference in my training and the style of training is really different with him. So out on the beach, running in sand and doing circuits in sand, which makes everything a lot harder as well as stairs and hill training. So, yeah, it's um, made a big difference, which is what you need and you really need to step up, especially when you go from an open-wheeler car to a tin top. And he definitely knows what he's doing. And even just being a personal trainer, I've learnt a lot from him and just training styles and different training that I'd never even think about what I need for in the car. Other than a career in motorsport, uh, is there any other sort of career aspirations that you have or is it 100% motorsport career? It's 100% motorsport career. That's all I've ever wanted to do since I was probably nine years old. So I'm definitely going after that pretty hard and hopefully making it work. So I'm putting everything into it. And I know you kind of briefly mentioned it before, but are you open to traveling overseas and racing at all? Yes, definitely would be if the opportunity came um, up. Definitely over in Europe would be awesome over there to race in Porsche or something else. Those tracks look amazing. Very flowing, cool tracks over there compared to some of the tracks we have here. What is the ultimate racetrack for you? What is the track that you watch, whether F1 or any like GT cars at, and you're like, yep, that. I need to do a lap or I need to race there. What's that for you? I definitely love to go over and race at Spa, I reckon, in Super Cup. Would be pretty cool. Um, That track looks amazing. I've driven it on the sim quite a few times. I know it's not close, but it definitely is a pretty fun circuit. I love every like track that's really flowy and fast, kind of like a Phillip Island and the Bend sort of things. And more my favourite tracks. What are your thoughts on categories such as the W Series or categories that are only for women? Do you think they're beneficial? Um, the W Series hasn't been around for that long, I don't think. I think it started in 2019 was its first season. I may be wrong though, but we've COVID and that um, I think has had quite a few disruptions. But it'll be really interesting to see where that goes and if it actually creates a path for females to go to F1. I know Jamie Chadwick and that have now got 
good opportunities within some F1 teams as being test drivers and involved in it, which is awesome. But definitely see if it creates a path for females in F1 be awesome. Um, I don't know if it is or it isn't, but I definitely don't have anything against it. Um, if I I might end up in it one day, I, I don't know. But for me right now, it's definitely racing against the guys and I feel that is what will improve me to be a better driver, pushing myself against like one of the best guys in Australia in Porsche here. So, yeah, I... I think it will work. I hope it works. The W Series is it's a really good concept. It just hopefully Jamie or someone who's won it for a few years gets an opportunity in F1 and really paints that picture for all females that it does work that path. I definitely think it just has to work for one and then it will really become like, holy, holy moly, this actually is, it's like sort of the Porsche pyramid, Michelin, uh, Michelin Sprint Challenge, Porsche Carrera Cup, Super Cup. We've seen that work. Like we've seen it work with Jackson Evans, um, Maddie Campbell, all these guys through Australia. They've come over and they've won that big, um, whatever the big giveaway is at the end. If you win, you go and, and verse all the people around the world. And we had two sort of local boys, I guess, for us win that. So you kind of follow the Porsche path with the hopes of, oh, you've seen these people who you've raced against or grew up with and stuff, go and do this. So then that sort of gives you the drive to follow that pathway. And same with Formula Ford, I guess. If that happens with F1, with the W Series or whatever, things like that becomes a feeder category, is that where W Series really starts to become the category for women, I guess? Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel that with COVID, it hasn't had a real chance to show its potential. And hopefully now that it's all sorted out and they get a few full seasons under their belt, hopefully it shows that it does work. And yeah, exactly what you said, the Porsche pyramid does work and it's shown to work. So everyone's inspired to follow that path. So once there's a clear path for W Series, I think it'll be a really good category. And I know you said before that Lewis Hamilton has been a big inspiration to you, but are there any female drivers that have inspired you in your career? I mean, there has, like, it's hard because females in motorsport, especially in Australia, we there hasn't really been any that have made a successful career, like, without being mean. <laughs> but um, definitely overseas uh like even Simona who came here she's done some pretty cool things overseas and that and even Jamie Chadwick like she does quite well as well so there are a few over there but when I was younger I kind of didn't really I guess know or really watch those sort of categories overseas back then I was mainly in supercars and F1 I watched which is really male dominant um which hopefully changes soon but in NASCAR, like um, Danica and stuff, definitely her. I did watch her when I was younger. She did really, really well in her career. But yeah, anything local, yeah, definitely been watching F1 and supercars. I definitely agree with you there when you say there hasn't really been that, like 
locally in Australia, there hasn't been that kind of show of success for women. Do you think that comes from it's just not being, I mean, I mean, there's drivers out there like Leanne, who she's done really well and same with Simona, like you said, going overseas and, and having a really, and coming to Australia and having a really good run. Do you think it's a matter of that we're just not showing it enough? Yeah, I, it's, it's hard because especially in Australia, there's not that many females to even start with in motorsport. Um, even in car racing, all up in every category, there's probably only about five. So to even start off with a limited number probably doesn't help compared to Europe, who I, they normally have quite a few girls in each category. So, yeah, I feel that... Um, that if more girls were interested, it'd probably help. But also, I guess it comes down to how you apply yourself, how badly you want it, and the results. If you get results, you get drives, you get opportunities. So I really think it comes down to the individual. It doesn't matter if you're a female or male. It just depends on how you go. And if you can get those results, that's what teams look for. And do you think it's getting better? Do you think we are having more women come into the sport, even in karting? Do you think we're seeing more girls around? I definitely think so. I know in karting there's a lot more now compared to when I was in there. There was hardly any, so which is awesome to see. But also that, I guess, that budget issue is always what really stops it in car racing is finding that budget to go to that next step. This is a lot more expensive than go-karts. And I think that's what really puts a stop to most of them continuing on. Or even a lot of them will do go-karts for fun. But then as soon as it gets to car racing, you, get, you have to be serious because you're spending serious money. And I think that's kind of where it needs to change a little bit or... Something needs to happen to influence more girls. But even in supercar teams, like engineers, mechanics, definitely seeing a lot more in there. Or even like you guys who are involved in the media side, it's so good to see more females be involved in most, even if they're not driving, there's a lot more around it now. Even at Bath of Six Hour a couple of weeks ago, it was like a Thursday and I ran into a couple other girls and I was like, does it seem like there's just more women here than normal and that was really exciting but it just it just felt like like just had really good vibes that there was just chicks everywhere and that was really exciting because that like the bath of six hour that's kind of really grassroots so to see well I mean the top end of grassroots but to see so many women getting around in those paddocks I think that's a really good sign for the future for women in motorsport. Yeah, definitely. Even just more um, females that are interested that come and watch. Even at the Grand Prix, I notice they're either coming with their partners or something. There's a lot more of a female to male ratio is a little bit more even compared to in the past, definitely, which is awesome to see. So, Courtney, you've now been around doing this sort of for a couple of years since 2019 and then we just don't count 2020 and barely any of 2021. You've been doing this for a couple of years now and you've sort of dabbled at a couple of different categories. What would you say is your favourite car or category to race in so far? Uh, definitely the two rounds in Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge was definitely 
a highlight and made it my favourite class and car to drive, jumping out of former Ford into that car um, really opened my eyes and was like, this is an awesome piece of machinery. <laughs> I've never driven such a cool car. So definitely the 991, which I drive in Porsche. So I had the Gen 1 car for the 2021 season, but um, we only got to race it twice because of the season not <laughs> continuing. But we've had to get the Gen 2 car this year. So still the 991 as Kura Cup got their new 992 cars. So I've been driving that and that will be my favourite car. It's a little bit different to the Gen 1 car, um, but they're very similar, a few differences. But yeah, definitely that car and that category is my favourite. If there was any car in the world that you could race, what would it be? Uh, definitely F1 car would be pretty sick to drive, I reckon. I did enjoy a single-seater doing a bit of Formal Ford and stuff. So jumping to something that had more aero as an open-wheeler would be pretty cool. So definitely F1 car or an F2 car or something like that would be awesome to have a go in. You have support from Tony Quinn and local legends. Uh, Tony Quinn is a very influential figure in the Australian and New Zealand motorsport industry. So what's it like to have his support? That must be a huge confidence booster going into your season. Yeah, so I got sponsorship from local legends, from Tony Quinn, who I met through Aussie Racing Cars. So I actually raced against him last year. I did the Bathurst round and the Tasmanian round, so I raced against him in that and met him. And um, actually, just after my second round last year, I got the sponsorship for Local Legends and got the car wrapped, all ready to go. But sadly, we didn't get to race our double bend round that was supposed to have to compensate from the rounds we lost. So he never got to run the livery, but this year he's on board and we've got the Local Legends wrapped car coming out for round one at Sydney at the end of May. So it will be really good and it looks awesome. The colours of the fluoro yellow and black, it stands out. So I have Local Legends on board as well as Porsche Centre Brighton. So they've been with me since I started in Porsche, helping me out with parts and that. I also have MSC Signs who do my wraps for me, so my Aussie car and my Porsche wraps, they're awesome and they help design the liveries I have on my cars. Um, and I also might be having a few more sponsors, fingers crossed, added to that um, coming into the round soon. And since your Formula Ford days, you've been driving for or aligned with Sonic, Sonic Motor Racing Services, which they're pretty darn good team they uh have formed a whole lot of legends in like so many different drives that have come through their formula ford ranks and through their career cup ranks david reynolds was a career cup champion you had nick Perkett, jamie winkup all these guys that we see as kind of front runners in the supercars championship all come through the sonic program so what's that been like for you in shaping your career working with the crew at sonic yeah, Michael Ritter has been such a big impact on my racing career and probably where I am now. He is really good at his craft. He's produced so many guys in supercars that have done such a good job. And being right from the start 
in form of form and I was just a young 16 year old girl <laughs> just coming into there going yeah I want to race form of Ford um, right now in Porsche and he's been a big backer and helps me push hard and definitely pushes me out of my comfort zone which is good and he's very black and white and he's really serious hardcore racer which is good um, and yeah I love working with him and I'm really excited to be doing this season with him again and he's also my engineer and on my headset so I have a very close relationship with him. And so now going to our final question for today's episode which if you've listened to it before I'm sure you'll have a bit of an idea on what it is. Um, What is your advice for women wanting to get into motorsport? Definitely so if it's racing wise then getting involved in go-karts having crack in that, getting race craft, learning all about go-karts and the racing and then working your way up into any, I guess, car racing category. But definitely go-karts is where you need to start and do that for a few years, getting involved. And in other areas of motorsport, I know I've actually done a girls on track day and a Ricardo's races day, which is good, especially getting the girls involved on the girls on track stuff is awesome to see. Um, you know, it's not just racing they have to get involved in. There's so many different other career options within teams that I think is awesome and that most girls probably don't know about. So definitely one of those two. Courtney, thanks heaps for coming on the pod today. It's great to see the things that you've achieved this early on in your career and I'm sure you're in for a lot of success. So good luck for your start in the Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge and thank you for your time today. Awesome. Thank you for having me, guys. And we thank Courtney for her time on the Girls on the Grid podcast this week. Now, while I was here in Perth, I did grab Madeline Stewart quickly after she competed in the Radical Cup Australia Championship this weekend. Hear what she had to say after she grabbed a podium at Perth. So we're here at Wannery Raceway for round four of the Supercars Championship and I have found our episode 12 guest and my good friend Madeline Stewart who has just found herself on the Radical Cup Australia podium this weekend on debut. So Mads, what an awesome weekend for you here in Western Australia. Yeah, it was a huge learning weekend for us. I haven't been in this car before and haven't been at Wannery in a few years so um, yeah, huge learning, but ended up with a great result, so very happy with that. And some good pit stops, which is great practice for, you know, in future when you're in different categories that require pit stops. Yeah, hit me up if you need a Bathurst co-driver. You've heard it here first, Madeline Stewart, Bathurst co-driver on offer. I assure you that there will be all of the uh, requests in your DM soon. Instagram DM, that's the official platform uh, to apply. Yep, that's right. Hit me up in my DMs if you want a co-driver. But no, um, the team at Arise are awesome, so I'm super stoked with our weekend. Pit stops were smooth um, and, yeah, good pace in the last race. Helped us out with a few points for the round um, podium. So, yeah, very happy. And what's next for you? What's on for the week? Uh, So this week I'm heading to Sydney Motorsport Park for a test day ahead of round one. Um, in a few weeks time so round one of Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge is at the end of May so it's coming up pretty quick so very excited about that. And you'll be spraying some more champagne like you did this weekend that's the plan? 
That is definitely the plan. So um, heaps of prep done this year, so really looking forward to it. Thanks, Mance. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Thank you. And thanks, Madeline, for your time just then after you were completely covered in champagne. But that is it for us this week for Girls on the Grid podcast. Uh, Tune in same time next week, 6am on a Monday for episode 14 with a very special guest. You've just listened to another Network R production. Uh.